Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. What's going on, people? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Um, podcast time. I'm excited about this one. Uh, this week on the podcast, we've got Sophia Kearney and Stephen Brains. Both of these guys... Um, have started a brand called he she they which i believe originally started as a fashion label then a club night and then a record label i got into them through the record label which i believe started in 2020 um releasing some amazing artists um and then my manager ryan put me in touch with with them to kind of get them on the podcast to talk about the events that they do and everything else that they do they do so much um but he she they is about an inclusive club night um that allows everybody from trans queer communities um black white anybody to be a part of it and and party and have an amazing time and let people be free which really is important to me in um all life but especially the dance community um they also have a management company called weird and wonderful and their roster is ridiculous um so go and check that out as well they they look after some amazing artists so let's get to it um sophia and stephen right sophia stephen thank you so much for being on i really appreciate it how are you guys (laughs) yeah good thanks thank you for having us yeah good good it's good to meet you guys because really when i do a podcast i i think there's maybe one other podcast that i've done where i've like never met the people that i'm actually talking to so it's like kind of weird i was just like i've been doing like this week i've been doing like a bit of research into you guys as people um and little stalking there, Will. 100%. Will and I like just I just followed you guys on Instagram as well and was like, <laughs> yeah, I need to get the stalk on even more. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I, first of all, Stephen, um, dancing butt naked in manumission, um, I want to start with that. Because... <laughs> well, I, I didn't have my dick out, but everything else. <laughs> okay, that's that's enough. Um, again, just a cheeky bollock just yeah, hairy yeah, duck egg yeah. it's fine we're allowed yeah, right. not even <laughs> um i listened to your ra exchange um and it was really interesting i hadn't finished it but i was listening to like how you guys started and yeah, it's quite long isn't it it's, yeah. it's good though it's good because i think it's like a really nice introduction on who you guys are because i think being managers event organizers record label owners fashion brand owners like you're always behind the scenes right and you're never kind of the front people and it's only behind the scenes people that know who you are um and i think it's really interesting for people to actually find out who the people are behind the people that we 
all love and watch and things like that um which really it's really interesting to kind of get you guys on and I've been following the label for a long time um and I didn't actually know you did events and I just knew the label more so than the events because oh I kind of love that yeah and I for me like when Ryan my manager hit me up and was like would you be interested in getting these guys on I was like absolutely this is like amazing um and then he was like oh they do these cool real cool events and I was like cool and then I looked into it and was like damn these these parties look insane um (laughs) where did it all start with the parties that's what I want to know the parties was kind of not supposed to be the first piece of the jigsaw but yeah it ended up becoming so Mm. like originally we just really wanted to do start a fashion house and have Mm. like some really cool clothes like you know high-end streetwear that kind of vibe that was uh you know vegan environmentally friendly like no sweatshops like gender neutral that was kind of like the idea and then um we, we, but we thought, oh, well, we'll be able to throw the coolest fashion parties, like when we do stuff at London Fashion Week, because because of our connections and everything like this. And then, then you know, at the same time, we had always been frustrated with the state of a lot of like global events that we'd visited with our artists. Obviously, being being managers, we sort of stand there, sort of making sure obviously our artists are okay and have everything they need but it means you get a prime view from the booth of the dance floor and what's everything that's going on at the event and um and so it it sort of merged it ended up being promoters when we were pitching the idea kind of really sticking their hand up for the parties and we realized actually there was a lot of appetite um for people to to want to throw something and to to make things more diverse and more aligned with those um with the queer community and just just to make everything more intersectional in general behind the decks and therefore on the dance floor and it kind of but a lot of people weren't sure how to do that maybe authentically from mm. and and we were in a unique position with like our, our artist roster is kind of primarily uh queer female people of color and like it so it's all very natural to us it's kind of totally. what we live and breathe anyway so it's just about bringing what we love and, and what we do into a, into a more mainstream space to try and affect some cultural change, really, and it all just sort of ended up happening all at once. It's 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 kind of amazing because I was looking at your roster as well beforehand, and obviously I'm friends with some of them on there, and I didn't even know you managed some of them as well. Um, and the the roster that you guys look after is even the straight ones are uh, extreme straight ones that sounds so weird saying that but that even they're like weird and wonderful they're like very interesting characters um yeah absolutely and we have we have other artist managers who who work with us at the win wonderful craig yeah. and paul and lj and like previously marisa as well so like every everyone who we work with both on the manager side and all the artists that everybody manages is everyone is truly an artist in yeah. their own right and avant-garde in their own way and unique in their own way. And as you say, like weird and wonderful, that is kind of the talent that we, that, that is drawn to us and that we're drawn to equally. Mm. So yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I love yeah. it. I love it. Like, like, well, so we're, it's not like we're not against, for instance, like straight white men. All, <laughs> all the thing is, for instance, right. If you go to, 
your traditional non-declaratively queer space mm. is normally like three straight white men DJing. Yeah. And if you've got dancers, it's it's women. But then also, if you go to a, a queer space, declaratively, so normally it's three queer um, white men. Totally. So, so, and then male dancers. So our thing is like, for instance, if you take it from the experience of like a black gay woman in either of those spaces, maybe it's not that they're told that they can't come or that like they're of course welcome to be there, but there's a difference between being allowed to come to a space and being declaratively like this is a space for you. Mm-hmm. So same thing with our roster and stuff. It's it's not that we're against any one type of person. It's just talent isn't the preserve of one type of person. So we just we go in and diversify spaces so that they're accessible and open to everyone. And same with our roster and everything. Like it's it's like Sophia says, our friend group's really diverse. Yeah. So it's very natural. It's not like oh we're just going to manage people like this. It's just they're the people in our orbit naturally when you've got more of a diverse friend set. Totally. It's, it's, it's what Sophia said. It's very authentic. And I think you can kind of see that from the outsets is there's lots of, like we all know, there's lots of promoters worldwide that um, try to do things just because it's politically correct and it's not authentically done. It's not because they necessarily believe in it. It's because they actually just want to do what they feel like they have to do um and and it's it may also be uh, like i totally agree with you there's definitely those instances um there's also instances of people really wanting to mm. do the right thing but just being so unconnected personally to anything to do with that world that it ends up looking performative or box ticking or you know they don't have the networks to you know it should always be talent first, always, mm. always, always. But if they don't have nowhere to go to research or know who to ask for things to be authentic, then I, then and I and I that that's a you know can be a shame. And, and like we've noticed, we've noticed that with so many willing promoters, but coming to us and going, but how do we? And then they'll pitch us ideas, and there'll be a couple of their ideas. It's like yeah, that really works. Mm, that's going to look like that or feel yeah. like that if you book it like this. What about this? And it's and so some people are really really open and, and wanting to change and do things so just want to like applaud all the people out there that are actually have the best intentions and and that's why we really enjoy working with like those more mainstream clubs like like fabric like mm. ministry like pasha like watergate like there's there's loads of clubs globally and we do if we if we're throwing all of our parties in like warehouses in East London, then we are just preaching to to a choir. Totally. And yeah. and it, we threw a party in Fabric like two weeks ago, and we hadn't been in London for like a big show since like before the pandemic. So mm. it was a really special night, and I just noticed like when I'm walking around the club with the hosts, um, our performers hosts that kind of names interchangeable, but there's so many incredible people and they're all in the most incredible looks and you couldn't move for 15 seconds without a member of the audience. who probably they're not used to seeing sort of hosts and performers like this at, mm. when they come to fabric on a Saturday night, we just couldn't believe it and loved it so much and was so complimentary. Like it was, it was really beautiful to see. And when I was up at the door waiting for people to come in 
one of the first girls that came in, as soon as the doors opened, they asked her to take off her jacket to be searched. And she had this full like body harness on. And, and I, I said to her, I said, you look incredible. Like, that's amazing. She said, oh, I'm really nervous. I said, it's mm. all good. Just give it 30 minutes. Give it 30 minutes. Have a drink, have a little drink at the bar. Before you know it, you're going to forget that you're even wearing it because everyone is going to be the same. Yeah. And that was the case. Like seeing like so many of the audience in looks at fabric. Because you sort of sit behind a laptop and you're like squirreling away and you're doing all these things and you're putting out these records, you're booking these parties, you're pushing this message, having a million and one Zoom calls and, and whatever. <laughs> but then it was, it kind of took me aback a little bit to be in fabric again after so long and actually see see people really embracing the concept and coming together and, you know, they're being able to be like all different types of people in the same space. And the energy in there all night was incredible. And it was mm. the first time we'd done two rooms and it was absolutely packed. So it was, it was really, it was really life affirming really after the pandemic to have that show. It was great. I can imagine. Gone, I went off on a massive tangent there, but there you go. <laughs> And, and sometimes we don't work with people if 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 we feel that they're like they're kind of uh, they want to do it's like nefarious like mm. on the whole like if if someone just doesn't really like knows they want to do something or need to do something but doesn't know how like totally into helping yeah. if it's just because they want to cash in an exploit community not into that so yeah. like mm-hmm. one of our big things is that we'll only do friday and saturday nights in clubs yeah because we want like the beacon night not mm-hmm. just like oh you can't really make money on a thursday or a sunday so let's get so you'll yeah. invite the queer community or or have more women in or whatever it's like nah man put your money where your mouth is and 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 i think that brings real change like fabric Seven out of the eight DJs were female. Yeah. And it was just like, and it still sells out fabric. Mm. And it's not just Amelie Lenz or Peggy or yeah. Charlotte, like, who are all great, but I like, I feel like. It's gone past it, it with, with them. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. It's, they are just, that they're, they're, they're bigger than DJs. Now yeah, they're, yeah, they're icons. They're, they're massive, and it's and it's great. But it's like it's this weird, like, like, like. The, the, there's only allowed to be like five women, and exactly. then everyone else has to be like subordinate. Not yeah. not because of them, but because of how the other gatekeepers are with them. And just showing that like there are multiple women that can be headliners because that's that's been one of our things where we've gone to certain clubs and they've gone like, oh well, yeah, we'll do it as long as you get Peggy Goot headline yeah. or you get Charlotte headline. And we're like, it's not really about that. Mm. It's, it's about the community of the party, which is, which is something that fabric of, you know, you know, we've had long conversations with Andy and Judy about, you know, wanting to bring community back to the dance floor on those primetime yeah. days. And like that, they really want that too. And, and it is actually, it's better for everyone. It's better for the scene. It's better for breaking new mm, artists. It's, yeah. it's better for the audience's musical discovery. Like going out to clubs at the weekend shouldn't be, shouldn't feel the same as going to a concert to see a headline thing it should be about who you're going to meet what the vibe of the night is the community like who who who's someone you've never heard of that's going to blow you away and then you end up having two or three times you might see them at 
various festivals and clubs over the next few years and you go on a little journey like but you if you always and, and I guess that's another thing about pushing the message of he she they so publicly and like Steve and I've been willing to be more public figures talking about it is it's also really about the audience too mm. it's about people really looking at, at festival lineups and club lineups and thinking that when they buy that ticket that's that's what they're investing their money into and like we just it's just amazing to see so many people like investing in like you know things that are going to grow a community and like support yeah. a wide range of artists coming through the scene and like help them have careers in in, in music that mean they don't have to have other jobs or whatever like yeah I, just... I don't think you realize like for you for me like how important this is what you guys are doing and i and it might sound a bit weird but because we don't know each other but this is something that i've been talking about so many times on interviews and podcasts and f with friends with promoters with with my team and it's it's about creating a community and i think what's happened over the years and i'm not too sure how it's happened but it's happened over the years where it's not about the community it's purely just a big business to sell a bunch of tickets and for people just to turn up for the headliner um and i remember it, like back years ago it, you would have nights that you would go to not because of the dj but because you know the people that were going to be there were going to be fun you know the, the music was going to be amazing and you trusted the party rather than the, t the the djs um yeah. and and i think there's i don't know what how it's got to where it is today but it's so important and i absolutely love what you guys are doing it's fucking amazing thank you i i, I mean i don't know i um, if i was gonna put my little historian hat on for a second i'd and 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 i wasn't clubbing like as much before this time period so maybe it occurred before and and see what you two think as well but like i feel like the explosion of the edm mm. scene and the the kind of djs being the new rock stars being a sort of you know a headline across multiple articles yeah. and things and you know, acts being able to suddenly start selling out arenas on a DJ set uh, globally. It, it felt, it. I don't know, it felt like around then and, and, and that sort of music bleeding into the, the mainstream radio stations. And then I feel that slowly afterwards, that kind of culture has bled into the slightly more underground culture as well, yeah. as people have become more accustomed to seeing DJs as concerts and in, in, in that manner. That's kind of how i feel it's it's sort of like gone on a tangent slightly but um no yeah. I, I think it's because it because like, i'm the older one so, <laughs> so i was dancing in Manny mission like almost 25 years ago yeah which is yeah. crazy but i was i shouldn't have legally been allowed in the club um but I was a little tear away, like a young Geordie Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> um, but, but like, there was a lot more different types of people behind the decks then, mm -hmm. because, and, like, there was loads of women DJs in, like, Hard House, for instance. Like, you had, like, Rachel, um, Rachel Auburn, Lisa Lashes, yeah. Lisa Pinoff, la, la, la. Like, 
and like you had DJs like Paulette and Angel and things coming through. It's like you had a lot more queer DJs because also there was a lot more kind of queer nights setting the musical agenda, like yeah. things like out of trade and stuff. And like even if you went to like Gay Crash or things like that, it was it wasn't particularly like just straight. It was kind of mixture of everything. Mm. Then I feel like when you started getting kind of a lot of corporate entities or people with money buying out clubs, yeah, you got like again, it's not a dig, but like you got a lot of straight white guys owning clubs who then employed their mate who was a butler or they had money so they wanted to own a club to kind of muscle flex yeah so, so then and it, it it just is a bit of the nature of the game it's like you tend to book people that are your friends or are like you of course yeah so if everybody is owned by like all the clubs and stuff are owned by straight white guys and a lot of the nights then brought in with booked by straight white guys then of course you're gonna have loads of straight white guys behind the desk. <laughs> and then you have this thing that, like, like, and it goes back to what we are saying about, like, um, the black queer woman coming into a club and being, is this something for me? Mm. If all the people behind the decks are, like, say, either white straight guys or queer um, white guys, those other people just go somewhere else because they don't particularly feel that it's for them. Like, obviously, you get some people come regardless, but, like, then you have this thing, which we've had a battle against, where people go, oh, it's it's kind of like it's white guys that come to, to these events, so that's who you need to sell to. And we're like, no, it's those people that come primarily mm-hmm. because everything is designed for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you design something for someone... And, like of course they're gonna frequent it, and if you do, if if like like that, so I'm w- w- waffling a bit, but with 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 he she there because we've got different dances, different races, sizes, body shapes, and different people on the decks. You have a completely different set of people on the dance floor, yeah, because you've declaratively said by having different types of people behind the decks and dancing that this is a place for multiple different people and you can see yourself somewhere in that i mean say when we did brighton pride it's normally just guys on the on the stage and we had that as feedback as well that we were getting a lot like a lot of queer women felt like they they could be in the dance tent and felt a bit more like their own space and and were invited there than, than before so it's it's not just a straight white guy problem it's it's just endemic in both things in the queer space too because the queer space can be very racist very homo uh, very transphobic sorry um very misogynist um so it it also has its place so we we try to diversify those spaces too yeah i th- i think it's i think that's the thing it's just making sure that everyone is welcome right and I think yeah, it's like a basic thing. Like it, as there's more like diverse than fucking most nightclubs. It sounds so it sounds so fucking stupid though, because by saying everyone's welcome sounds cheesy as fuck because it's something that people have always said but not actually meant and not kind of perceived that with what events they're booking. Um 
Well, 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 do you know what? It's a funny one because I think actually they genuinely do mean that everyone's welcome. Yeah. Just haven't thought because they feel welcome. They go and extrapolate that everybody else would feel exactly. welcome. Yeah. It's, it's like, like if, if you, I don't know about what you, what you guys like to do in your personal life, but if somebody took me to an Oceana club, like honestly, I don't feel welcome there. So I'm not, I'm not going to no. go there. It's, it's not because I dislike the music. It's because I can't stand the people there and it's or i can't relate to anyone there so it's like i i want to create an environment where i want people to feel comfortable and i think that's it's always that battle when being the also being the dj and kind of working with promoters as well it's like well i am the the normal straight white that every dude that boring DJ that everyone looks at and going, Oh, he's just like another one of them. But it's oh, like you've got a hell of a beard though, Will. <laughs> <laughs> apart from the beard, and I I'm kind of a dwarf. Apart from that, like it's it's it, no, that's all about intersectionality. Having like <laughs> short bearded men is still a thing and I encourage it. I'm I'm in for it as well. Um but I think it's like how how would you guys say for like you guys are doing an, an amazing thing with with he she they, but how, what 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 needs to change with the rest of the industry for it to kind of build? Because I, I guess I was talking to Gene Ferris on the on the podcast um, last year, and he was talking about the old days in Chicago and how we all know the house scene started in Chicago with mm-hmm. the gay black scene. And it was purely because they had nowhere else to go. Um, that's gone. It's it's gone a long time ago. But how do we make everybody feel welcome when? How how do how does the rest of the scene do what you guys are doing? Because how amazing would it be apart from maybe business wise, like you guys won't. No, won't we, be we've, we've always said the ultimate goal with with he she they and the events is that we kind of end up doing ourselves a disservice exactly, and putting ourselves right. out yeah. of business. Yeah. But like, you know, obviously, obviously we live in a capitalist society. <laughs> I, like it's, it's great to be able to pay rent, but we don't have this, like, we've never had this crazy desire to like, you know, do things for the, for, for just, like the sake of money for riches. It's, it's like, not, it's not about that. We both have a really strong desire to leave the industry better than, better than how, how we found it, it it feels like a passion and and that's that's what i love about it it feels super authentic i said it earlier but it feels like a passion project rather than something that's making a shit ton of money whether you make a shit ton of money on top of that great very very well perceived to be fair yeah and and i think that's the thing but i i guess how how does that change how how does it turn into a bigger picture i don't well, know one of our things is just like we, we evidence what we bang on about because mm. Sophia and I are on endless panels where people go like, oh, there's this problem. And then no fucker really solves it and yeah. it's boring. So it's like, like you've got loads of people who do things as well, like Jaguar goes and like smashes it with like creating, creating these worlds that are more diverse and educating like the next generation of mm. like women and trans and non-binary DJs and giving them access to decks and stuff like that and production. Um, so I think that those kind of things is like, 
like we've shown that you can totally have diverse nights and sell out big clubs in not just England, but we've done it in like Norway, India, America, mm. Holland. Um, like we're in about twelve countries at the moment, and we're, um, we're supposed to be and um, should have been after the pandemic in like a load more countries as they open up. Yeah. So we've just gone to them. Look, nothing's really changed. Like you, you like here, here, here's a model, and it can work. So hopefully, we allow other people to go and put on those lineups or come into those clubs. And I think he's. <laughs> Not because we weren't the first queer club ever to be in fabric because no, they had yeah. the DPTM and things like that. But I don't think that it's it's out of the ordinary that like things like Crossbreed and um, Sylvester, like the fabric thing with um, Adonis, has mm-hmm. come into to those spaces is unrelated to the fact that he should they started doing big Saturday nights there that showed that they could win that crowd. Yeah. But also, like, people like Judy. Judy's a black woman that's been fucking in London club scene for, like, what, best part of 20 years? Yeah. Like, and smashing it and breaking all the ceilings. So, like, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're hopefully just showing people, basically, that, like, the diversity can actually work. Yeah. And that they could just go back to the old ways of, doing stuff because old club nights used to be booked way more diversely and And, they made money and that's the thing there was a happy medium a happy balance between everything where it was it was cheap to get into at the door which for me like i remember going to parties and it was like five quid on the door and you're like this you know when you're spending five quid to get into a club it's like not just about making a shit ton of money and paying a headline DJ. It's about the community. Um, But also I think it's, it is about bringing back uh, an actual scene that isn't based on headline DJs as well. And I think by doing that, it allows lots of different promoters to grow smaller scenes, which then brings in lots of more, diverse artists and diverse kind of customers um around every city all around the world but i guess what was it like doing a show in india because i I didn't (laughs) know how how does that work with well we we were really fortunate because the we, we partnered with the Kitty Sue venues. Okay. So the Kitty Sue venues are part of the Lalit Hotel Group, which yeah. are, you know, notorious in India for being LGBTQIA plus friendly. And like the owner of the hotels is like amazing. And like we went to the to the U, UK one, the London one, to to meet him briefly. And you know, he does amazing things like funds all this surgery for women who've been acid attacked in india and stuff it's like he's he's an incredible guy um but obviously the rules and the the legislation had only just kind of very recently changed um so i i i've been to india before like a couple of times so i had like no trepidation about going to this country at all but like my dad and a few other people like oh my god you're taking it to india and i was (laughs) like that never concerned me actually i just like never worried um what 
they were they were different they were kind of a microcosm but the same thing as as all the other parties the crowds were like slightly smaller yeah but there was still people showing up and like taking their coats off and were in drag and had never left the house in drag before mm, ever. Um, there was people coming up to me, and there was one girl um, at the Bangalore party who just said that she'd been asked out by another woman, and that had never happened to her in a public space before ever. Um, a couple of the amazing uh, hosts that we had, because um, th- there's a really small number of like working drag queens in India. Like they were, they were explaining to me there was only about like sort of forty that were able to really, really sort of make the career out of it at that wow. time. I'm, I'm hopefully. It- it's more now, but, um, you know, they just felt that it was so culturally important that we were there. And I didn't kind of realize how important they would be until we were living it. Um, it was, it was really, really special and it felt like such a moment. And it also made me realize massively that he, she, they isn't just about massive raves and different things like that and it, it's sometimes about those smaller events mm. where there's there still might be three people whose complete perspective or lives you might change by being in that space um and they're equally as important as like us taking over a festival stage or us taking over fabric so it was it was a very very special weekend yeah, yeah it was good i can imagine oh, we would we will go back yeah, that, I can imagine that being being pretty special. What's it like taking over a festival stage when I, I don't know what festivals you've taken over? So, but I can imagine festival stages. It's not necessarily your usual clientele because it's festival clientele, right? And you but don't then, get to choose that. That's fine though, because festivals are often kind of diverse, and also just sometimes it's like. It's a little gateway into, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. into different types of people yeah. to come and see it and be like, oh, okay, like this is something different. Mm. Like people I, always start somewhere. Sorry, Stephen, I interrupt you. You're not finished. No, 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 no. You can interrupt me. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a gateway thing. So, for for example, Ultra Festival in Miami, it's all about there's three or four stages where it's yeah. you know quite EDM focused. But I mean, I mean, the back when I the last time I went to Ultra it was probably about 2015 or so. But the smaller stage, you know, the little it's like a mini version of Arcadia that's mm. got you know the likes of Taylor Bass, the likes of Maya, like more underground music and. It, people might have bought that ticket to see, like, you know, the Calvins of the world or whoever it might be. But people do generally tend to, like, mooch around a festival and see what else is out there while they have a beer or, like, whatever they do. And, like, they might well just catch half an hour of a set and think, oh, like, that really that really opened my mind maybe i'm gonna buy a ticket and go to a club to see that person next and that is how people develop their music taste develop their culture like meet different people yeah and it's so that's why we also totally love doing those bigger festival stages because there may be someone who was dragged along to that festival by a mate to see like a pop act or like a a more mainstream dance act who loves he, she, they, and thinks, oh, I've got this other friend that might be into that. Then they might buy a ticket to a club night and then they come and enter like really our worlds where we can really curate and take things over in in a different way. And it's nighttime and it's dark, which might not always be the case at a festival, but 
it, it's about that gateway thing and those gigs are just as important as as the india gigs being important for their reason as as the taking over a club for a whole night and curating the whole thing is is equally as important like it's all about opening opening people up to mm. to different things that they are different parts of themselves that they might not have realized they could tap into through like their love of music culture so no i, t- I totally agree with that as well i totally agree um did the label come second then or third yeah after fashion <laughs> yeah L- label was third like um it sort of originated just before the pandemic and we put out a couple of records of louisa's uh who we managed and then obviously covid hit and you know no one really knew what was kind of going on for a minute and we we sort of threw ourselves into doing some streaming and stuff we did a great stream with beatport for pride and and some stuff with dj mag and uh some stuff with glastonbury greenpeace but like the label kind of sort of kicked off. It's, it's, it's actually, I was going to say this to you, Brian, so in a week's time, it'll be a year since we put out Reclaim Me. And when we started our label side with ADA, so we've got kind of two strands of it. One comes out with BMG, which is Louise's album, and then the kind of EP releases are, are with ADA Warners. Yeah. And the, um, the first release was a Louisa one. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, I said. Um, and... Um, yeah, so it's nearly a year since the start of the ADA like EP run, and it's been mad, it's mad to think that as well as Louisa's full album after those initial first two songs come yeah. out this time, there's also now been like another like 30 releases. There's been nearly one every week, basically, which has been... You've had like 38 is, releases, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's hardcore. Yeah, it's <laughs> But amazing. it's been amazing, and we've met so many incredible producers and different people through doing it and like some people we've been their first release mm. other other releases it's you know cakes to killers approached us who we were both fans of anyway to to release you know a longer ep with a full remix package or and it's just i kind of love the label mm. a lot it's it's but it's it's a fucking lot of work running a label <laughs> it sucks like from, doesn't it from, it's it's, from, a, it's a lot of work it is from plugging everything in on the back end and like obviously you've got all the asset creation working with everyone working with the prs all your personal pictures mm-hmm. like it's full on yeah um but i've been actually so amazed and in love with all the reactions action that we've got both on like club promos like on radio like like you know danny danny howard and sarah story and jaguar in particular although there's been other great supporters too like charlie t like charlie hedges but like everyone everyone's just been really getting behind the records Mm. and it's it's really beautiful to see and it's been really fun for Stephen and I to like do the A&R on stuff, you know, and we've already got like taking a like little bit of a hiatus cause it's been very intense, but um, we've already kind of got like six releases queued up for the start of next year already. Sick. So it's, it's been full on, but amazing. And like, we're really proud of, you know, we have, we have no music policy for the label whatsoever. Mm. <laughs> so, like, you might listen to one promo and it's, like, heavy techno and then the next might be more ethereal, the next might be deep house. So we just love stuff that we love and we're lucky in that we have a similar we have a similar taste. Um, I, and I think this is the an, a really thing that, I, a really interesting thing that I've noticed as well from 
the Hishi brand, Hishi Day brand, um, and the label is because you guys aren't DJs and you're not running the label as DJs, um, which most labels nowadays are DJ kind of orientated, you can actually allow the label to be as creative as possible. Whereas I, I find a lot of DJ forwarded labels are just purely for like one sound and very niche yeah. and and it, and it kind of alienates everybody right as producers we all write lots of different music and it's one of the reasons why i started my label in 2020 because i was just kind of fed up with sending like me trying to be an artist and sending music that people wouldn't necessarily expect from me or me trying to evolve, but the labels just being like, no, it doesn't sound like our, well, our this, record label. This is it. It pigeonholes yeah. the person as well. It's like, so they, they build a weird prison for themselves. Mm. And we were very conscious of not doing that with the club night of having, we'll have more house lineup or a more techno lineup or something bassier or, or, or whatever. I mean, like, like, we did a trans-inclusive remix album for Alanis Morissette with people, like, getting Eris Drew to yeah. remix Alanis Morissette. It was, like... <laughs> like, it was just really a fun thing to do because yeah, Alanis is such a big feminist that we liked the idea of making sure that... that other feminists saw that she was... she was trans-inclusive yeah. and fighting that fight, too. And she, bless her, on some quarters got, like, some backlash of, like, oh, she's... She's Alanis is uh, is disappointed me. She's she's back in trans rights. It's like <laughs> cool. Like you took time out of your day to write that yeah. you don't like Alanis Morissette because she wants to fight for everyone. <laughs> Go ahead, Dick. But um, but 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 like one day, Sophia and I will program like a stage where we'll do like he she they, and it's a hip hop stage mm. with like young Ma and Cakes the Killer and Leaf and Zebra Cats and all these like amazing say queer hip-hop artists or like we'll we'll just you know we'll, we'll do stuff in these different kind of modalities you could do something that was more rock focused with like people like saint vincent and things at the helm and all mm. these other artists because still at festivals there's such a discrepancy about the amount of female artists that are platformed the amount of artists of color that are platformed that aren't just like from hip-hop or like, you know, if like queer artists, like say wireless or things like that, totally. like dance was like the thing that we know and are kind of famed for, mm. where it's not like where our musical love lies and it's not where the problem starts and ends. Totally. Because like, it's a societal problem, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Because like, dance is just a microcosm of a bigger society because the people who DJ to the people who go there to the people who own the clubs are all just part of society. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, like, as time goes on, you'll see us evolve, which I hope is not perceived, and we'll probably have to battle about it, like, oh, they sold out because they put Lizzo <laughs> on somewhere. <laughs> like, nah, man, like, it's... It's it's about doing bigger and bigger and bigger change. It's a bigger it's the bigger picture model, right? And and yeah. the more people you kind of can reach out to, the more likely things will change on a bigger scale. And at the end of the day, that's what you've kind of put out to do. And you have to go big to do that. 
you, you, it, it's great all staying underground and cool, but that doesn't actually do what you set out to do. Yeah, it's yeah, like, like we said, the echo chamber thing from before. Yeah, we we want we've got so many amazing friends who choose to like dress or like present like mm. you know maybe differently from what the societal norm might be. Yeah. Like, I, I want them to get not get things said to them walking in the street yeah. or like at worst like be attacked or like be spat at, which mm. we like we've heard about. Like, the, the more we can encourage people to integrate and like normalize everyone being different and in the same spaces together, like those sort of things will fingers crossed like ripple out and and like it's just about changing if you can change like the little bit around you that you have the power to change but if everybody did that there would be lots more change so i think we're, we're just trying to do the bit based from the privilege that we sit in and that we've got and and the position that we were in and like uh, yeah hopefully that grows no i I totally agree and i think it it, i guess we're all singing from the same song sheet right like we we, we're in agreement. but i think the thing that blows my mind is that there's people in society that actually want everyone to just abide by the same rules of what you should and shouldn't be doing and and for me that just is mind-blowing because it's like i don't want anyone to be the same as me i don't want anyone necessarily to have the same views as me i think uh, we live in a society now where our, our we're not even allowed our own opinions to a certain extent because you, you'll get cancelled or you'll get this or you'll get that or it doesn't align with somebody else's views or opinions. And and I think by... Well, look, do you know what? On cancel culture, I kind of don't believe that it's a true thing <laughs> because, like, if you look at a lot of the DJs that were cancelled, like, Tim Wars is still getting booked. Yeah. Like, like, like this, you know, like, 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 I just, I think it's a misnomer, like the cancel thing. I think that it's good to, when someone does something like, for instance, what he said about like the queer community, it was kind of atrocious that yeah. the queer artists have, are allowed and people who just dissent in his views are allowed to not want to play with them mm. and audiences don't need to buy a ticket to go and see them it's like if you, if they want to be platformed by someone that that's cool I, I, everything you do good or bad has a consequence to someone totally. or somebody else and it's like I believe in the right to for anybody to say whatever they want even if it dissents with my view totally. but, but there's still a consequence mm-hmm. and that's the thing of like like it can't be divorced from that. Yeah. Like, like, I, I can't say to you like, oh, well, I hate you, and I think your music shit, and then you have to like me, yeah. Because, like, I should have some kind of impunity. Like that doesn't work like that. No, I totally agree. Uh, and I, and I, I, I think like I think it is important to meet people that are outside your bubble, which again is like he, she, they, we say we're a brave space rather than a safe one. Because I think one of the most dangerous things that kind of with social media is not about just people putting like Photoshop pictures themselves, which is, which is bad, but it's like, it's that algorithmic thing about only seeing things that are salient to you. Um, Like say on Facebook, when you had, had like the Trump stuff kind of going on. 
you had people who had looked at some right-wing articles constantly being fed right-wing stuff and people on the left who had like looked at left-wing stuff only been shown left stuff. So there was no kind of like medium of, of opinion. It just, mm-hmm. people just kept pushed far, further and further out. And like, I'm probably more of a lefty. Well, I am more of a lefty to be fair. I'm a big, big old socialist, but, um, I think it's still important, and like, I like um, I got this like Russian spa where you get hit by leaves. It's really odd, Schwitz. right? But it's is like it, rabbis and is it a proper Schwitz? And all these things, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's in the middle of an industrial estate in Cannontown, and it looks like <laughs> it's where you go to die. But there's this total group of people that I would never be around, like you know, black cab drivers mm. and things like that. And it was it was really healthy hearing why somebody had voted for Brexit. Yeah. Now. I, I like I was a Remainer, all the rest of it, but it's kind of good to to have that thing of like someone who wasn't. It wasn't that they were being racist; they genuinely believed that three hundred fifty million on the side of a bus. Yeah, and it's it's like also like I reckon if you read the papers, you need to read the Guardian and you need to read the Mail and you need to read like two or three other things and know that the truth probably lies somewhere. Within those different influences, Somewhere, yeah, yeah, totally. Because we all have to live together, so it's it's important to understand how someone else came to that conclusion, even if it's just it helps you debunk it. And I found it really weird within dance culture, the amount of people that seem to be sharing like QAnon conspiracies. Yeah, and I was just <laughs> like, like like that one about where they were saying like two million kids get disappeared every year in America. And I was like, there's quite a few people on my stream had shared it. And I was like, so of those 2 million kids that have, therefore, 2 million mums, 2 million dads, and that happens, say, every year for 10 years, just out of mums, dads, and kids, that's 60 million people affected, let alone siblings, aunties and uncles, did it. And I said to them, like, do you know anybody who's, like, personally, do you know anyone in your direct community that kid that got kidnapped or disappeared no now do you not think that it is odd that in 10 years there's 60 million people directly affected that all these people have managed to skate around and not seen it it's just or that hillary clinton eats fucking kids face. It's just like, or the wayfarer thing about you know kids being transplanted in fucking like wardrobes it's like just i know we're all in lockdown and there was this kind of weird boxing mentality but it was it was it was people that i would have otherwise thought were smart mm. that were that were thinking it and there was like you know, sophia and i are quite spiritual beings but there's quite a lot of people who i guess who do spirituality but maybe are spiritual because they want something to believe in in an almost cult-like totally. way yeah and therefore susceptible to other cult-like messaging be yeah. it nefarious or be it good so, yeah, I, I feel like I emotionally drained myself out for the first six months of lockdown, just being like, why do you think that? Like, yeah, like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, uh, but, I, but I think you're, you're 100% right. It's, and it goes back to the club culture. It's, it's about allowing people to have their own opinions and, and be able to talk about them and be able to... But as long as people are willing to learn from others and accept others opinions and accept other people as how they are um but i also think 
which I'm pretty sure both of you would agree is the whole club culture is it is about escapism. It is about escaping kind of reality of normal everyday life, mundane everyday life. For a lot of people that come to our shows, they they don't like their job. They work nine to fives. They don't feel accepted in, in society. They don't have the most pretty lives and come into a club and feeling welcome and, and listening to great music and being in a community where everyone is accepting of everyone is super important. Yeah. yeah I mean, we did it. We did a mental health first aid, of course, like, mm. uh, as well. And a really, uh, a point that we've like laughingly joked to each other about since was there was a sort of diagram about like this, like stress valve mm. and how everyone needs to like turn the tap on of their stress valve and just like let all let everything that's like build up out. And it's like, that's what, that's what club culture is for so many people. Like it's all about that Friday or Saturday night. It's all yeah. about that ticket that they've booked that's happening in six weeks that they're going with with free mates that they don't see very often or like it's a reason for people to get together with their existing community to go and feel part of something and mm. and just actually as you say like escape escape the daily grind and the daily stresses but if we make certain groups of people feel that they're not welcome in certain spaces or not represented in order to feel truly welcome in certain spaces, that they're all still people who've dealing with things that, you know, like needing their downtime, needing their stress release valve as well. So then we're kind of like forcing people into certain spaces and doing different things. And it, it should just be about everyone no, I agree. Every, everyone being welcome for I sure. Agree. With, with- I, I did love, I did love when I was a kid just going to these wild places that were like, like I remember going to Money Mission and just being like, oh man, I'm alive, or Gate Crasher, or St. Essential, and just being this little white working class kid who at the time was straight, he thought, or denied. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hopefully one day, Stephen, we'll have a we'll have a night in Ibiza. We'll have to we'll have to let you come full circle, full circle. back back to the podium, maybe. Well, yeah, especially now we've got a body positive um, <laughs> stance that I can be a bigger boy and still and still most die. welcome. I've, um, you got the moves. You got the moves. We're here to see it. I, yeah, exactly. I've I've I, got a manumission story actually. I when I used to live in Ibiza, um, you look too young, man. I'm 31, and I was living out there when I was young. I was 17. Oh, fair, fair, fair. Because yeah. I'm, I'm like 39, so I was yeah. like... Yeah. Um, my ex-girlfriend used to dance with Manumission. Um, and the last year when they were at Amnesia, um, yeah. they, for some reason, there was like two nights where they just couldn't get enough dancers. Um, so... I like I used to drive to Ibiza from from the UK, so I'd always drive my girlfriend to to work, and then uh, they I got a text going, "We need a dancer. Can you can you come and dance?" And I was like, "You really don't want me to dance," and they got me peeling carrots and handing out popcorn in the crowd, walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And peeling carrots. Carrots. Yeah, it was the wildest. What, what thing. did they specifically use the carrots for? Was it was it a healthy snack alternative to the popcorn? Or no, for they else? they literally <laughs> just wanted me to go around the crowd. I I brought one of my mates with me to go around the crowd and peel carrots in in front of people's faces. 
That's all they wanted. And I'm like, <laughs> this is so this, this, fucking this wild. Kind of like visual ASMR and it's just trippy. Yeah. Because that was the best thing about it. I mean, like when I've done some many missions because Fernando was hollering out cantaloupes with his dick and I was like, oh, lols. And Claire had been like, don't be a dick. Don't like laugh at them. And like, she just, we were randoms in the crowd. Yeah. She's like, you wouldn't do it. So I just disrobed and danced and she was like, oh, fair. Then we went back to the motel and Jesus and all this, but it was it was very like it, it wasn't like you had to be a trained dancer like no. or anything like that. It was very much just your attitude. Yeah, it was it was again. It was about it was it was to be fair. It was about the like it wasn't about the music at all for me. In when I my experiences in manumission, it was about the show and about like yeah. the like wow factor of people aren't used to this and people aren't experiencing this on their normal Saturday night in their town or wherever they're from. This is like real, unless you live in Berlin or something like that, this is like real interesting stuff. And I, I, but sadly I feel that Ibiza doesn't have that anymore. Um, Yeah. I I feel like it, it misses a night for like people like me that were just, would consider themselves a little club freak. I agree. Yeah. Want to be weird. I mean, I guess you had the uh, supermarché, uh, like, like, yeah, like we were we we were supposed to be in DC ten, yeah, um, last last year, and we want to bring like proper weirdness to the mm. island, like, like, because c- at the moment, if you are someone like that, like, does it be there really, like, like, is it somewhere you even want to go? No. Like, why would you, you just go Berlin, right? Yeah, exactly. You you can you can be fully free in Berlin, right? Yeah, like, same with Amsterdam, same yeah. with like. So, if and, it, and it's it's backwards because again, it's where we are with the Beta is from where we kind of started with like you know a Beta was a was a land of protest and a place for all the exiles. Yeah, from, exactly. Um, oh, I forget the the military leader of the time. Oh, I forgot as well. Oh god, this is gonna It wasn't Tito, was it? Um what year was Spanish it? Dicta- I'm gonna Google Spanish, Spanish dictator. <laughs> but um, Was it in the sixties? I think it was General Franco, maybe. Francis Franco? Yes. Yeah. But anyway, a little Googled history lesson. <laughs> um but like you know, they'd gone and it had been ports and stuff, and like they'd turned this farmhouse pasha and stuff into mm. a club, yeah. and it was just like, like, and I, I really love going to like high in Ushuaia and things like that. Like I, 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 well, I love going in the TP and high and just being there for nine hours. But like, I do think that as well as like bottle service stuff, it just needs something that's a, just a good old sweaty throw down. Raw, yeah. Like, like, like I, you know, I, every fucker says it, but like space back in the day, oh. when space used to have 24 hour raves and like Danny Tanagli would somehow not pee for like 12 hours mm, and do yeah. these sets. And, and it was, it was, it was genuinely amazing that you'd have like Jean-Paul Gaultier next year and then you'd have like a, a, Big drag queen, and then you'd have like a builder from Hull, yeah, <laughs> like me from Sunderland, all just in one space, yeah, just fucking like I guess there was no camera phones as well, so people were just being sweaty messes, and it was Swap fine, it. and yeah. it was like, 
Like, I, I still find it weird when people like, oh, like they're dancing with their tops off. Like, like, like that's like a weird negative thing, or that like it was like the thing everyone off unless you've got a six pack. Like, fuck that. Like, yeah, you're in a club. Like, you're there to dance. Like, get sweaty and like. I don't have like any time for uh, anyone who wants to look perfect by the time that they leave a club. Like, if you're a drag queen, even like, even though you've hairsprayed your face, you should, it should be like dripping down your like face, like a jilted bride, your makeup, and just everyone just be a fucking mess. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I love that uh, about Panorama Bar. And it's not just about being a Panorama Bar in Bergen, it's about that feeling of anything can go you can go have an ice cream or you can go and get fisted all in like it's like and, and it's fine it's all fine yeah. like and you have people that are dressed in like whatever next to someone else just in black t-shirt and jeans and yeah everyone coexists and like it's it's a weird one because when when you say it to people like oh put around but it does feel a bit sometimes like people are just saying it to say it sometimes or it's like it's just the the thing that it represents when you're inside of just complete freedom and there's like mm-hmm. there's never violence like you never see a fight in people you never yeah. see like I've never been I've never been have you not no I've, it's, I've, so, it's so free and like it is it's really great it's I've had some very special moments in there and lost days as well <laughs> yeah i can imagine that definitely so book out the calendar when sophie is off to berlin <laughs> and glastonbury no work is gonna and happen glastonbury yeah i'm a shell <laughs> of my form there's just something that happens to me like the moment i step on that glastonbury site and i just i just i, I just but I'm, I'm honestly in one of my happiest states at that festival than i think <laughs> i ever ever um, I used to I used to go with my dad years ago because it's like 15 minutes from my house uh, when I'm in the UK and well amazing it's like uh, that festival is and I still haven't played it as well and it's like for me it's like something that you know when you have like these career goals and you're like there's like that's one of them that I'm just like I ha- well, I don't know why I haven't played it but I just it's something that I'd be like when I played that I'm kind of like all right I'm done now for a bit <laughs> um yeah so are you guys planning ibiza with 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 the brand we will we will we're just like we're, de- we're definitely doing yeah we're, i'm sure we're allowed to say it. We're, well you're we're, not allowed we'll to say <laughs> we definitely will be back on on the island in, yeah. in some form in 2022 and we hope that our relationship with the island could, can can grow as the next few years progresses and mm. we would love to bring a little taste of, of what we do and some more weirdness back to the island. It's, de- it's definitely a goal of ours in general, for sure. I can't wait to see that because it needs it and I'm all for it. So It is. I think it'll get progressively weirder. I think what we what we realised is sometimes you need to, like, knocks the door down a bit first and then yeah. like like more and more and more because sometimes people are like like for our bookings to so like the the see that that maybe we're like not mainstream but like a bit more kind of of the 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 center of um 
You need to ease people in and loop totally. them up, you know, yeah. just like a yeah. little, little bit at a time. Can't go balls deep straight away. But the, the ultimate, we want people to build up trust in the brand. Like, we want to be able to put on shows where we just say that it's a he, she, they show, the venue and the date, and that people start to really trust what the vibe is yeah. going to be like, what the entertainment's going to be like, what, what the music, I mean, obviously the music policy, like, does does differ across across genre we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves but to trust the curation that it will be something worth coming to totally. and we want to start selling things based on that and the, but we understand that you know we need to everyone needs to prove themselves a little bit first so we're we're willing to do the dance because now you see like with our programming as it progresses that it gets more and more like underground into a space where well and like like also just smaller names. Yeah. Like because like like one of our favorite DJs like is a is a woman called trans uh, is is a trans woman called Jay Ward. And um who for well is, is like is is now actually we smashed it just support mm-hmm. Roshi Murphy onto her. But like because of, of like that the trans there's there's some spaces that were maybe off limits to yeah. or book is like passed on by or or whatever, but is probably like the best DJ pretty much like in the UK or one mm. of the best in the world. So it's like having someone there that people see isn't just booked because she's a trans DJ, but it's booked because she's just a fucking, fucking amazing selector. Yeah. And that you can bring people into that journey that like Sophia says, we wanted so that he she they when it goes on sale just gets sold out. And then it's like 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 you actually realise that the curation is just really good and you are going to have, like, just the best music thrown at you. And the popular doesn't always equal best. Mm. Like, you you, you know, like, um, look at Honey Dijon as as an artist. Like, it's just as good now as she was 20, 10 years ago, like, all these things. But it's suddenly got that thing where... She's everywhere and been allowed to be embraced in with Blessed mm. Madonna and things like that. Like, it wasn't that they suddenly got good at what they do. Totally, yeah. It's just being, it's timing, isn't it, as well? Right. It, it, it takes it, time. It, it, it is. It's, it's frustrating. You have to prove to mm. so many people that you can make them money. And then once you have, then like, cool. Yeah. But then, but then that's that thing that you said, like, sometimes it's performative, sometimes it's, it's genuine, like, Oh, because they always love Blessed Madonna, and mm. sometimes it's like, oh, we need a female yeah. DJ, and they're the ones. Where it's like, I you always when people really love like diversity, it's at all rungs. It's not just a big fuck off headliner. Yeah, it's like who the support act is. Because also you need to start putting like artists of color and queer artists and female artists and non-binary artists in support slots as well totally because otherwise how the fuck do they they don't grow because that's that's part of the thing we're doing with he she there's like almost you know like having our under 21s and it's what jaggy was doing with her um future 1000 project yeah exactly it's just like allowing that next generation to to come through and it is, it, it's happening, and it's not just our night either, like, we'll stress, like, there's, there's other nights that are really diverse, and, like, Little Gay Brothers really good at being diverse, that, that is also in our city. 
in London and there's just lots of collectives all around the world. So, like, we don't think that, like, where suddenly the people that have, like, completely invented diversity in dance totally. music, if anything, we're harking back to the olden days and mm. dragging, dragging music back to a time when it was progressive, if that isn't some kind of, like, paradoxical situation. I, I think it's really important, and I, I, I think... Um... Did Printworks do it the other day? Where, they did. Yeah, where they, they just and they just said tickets are on sale. You're you're not going to know the lineup. And I, I think that it kind of what you were saying just a minute ago with what you guys are doing is announcing shows with without lineups and stuff like that. Like that's what it used to be like. That's space. And I and I don't. It's very easy for us all to be like, oh, the good old days were it like back in the day was better and things like that. And I'm all for progressing forward. Um, but there's sometimes you do actually have to be like, well, actually, no, it was better. And it, it did create a better environment for everybody. And I think that it is, that is the case in, in this situation. Um, but it, it's nice to see people do that. Um, and especially the clubs like Printworks that they can do that, if you know what I mean. Um, and I think it's really exciting for actually the community of people that go to clubs to to like just be like I'm I trust these people I trust the bookers I trust the brand I trust I know what I'm gonna get that I'm gonna like it no matter what I think it's important yeah agreed um we've just done an hour and ten minutes um let's wrap it up thank you very much for coming on I I like really enjoyed this conversation it was it was really nice um oh me too because we're great and if you and St- Stephen is ever modest, so that's good. <laughs> I joke, I jest, I know. Um, yeah, like keep keep me up to date with everything you're doing. Um, I'm literally, I will promote anything you want on the podcast. Anything you guys want to kind of get involved in, just let me know, and I'm all over it. I love what well, you guys are doing. One day when we own Glastonbury, we'll have to get you to come. <laughs> Um, keep I would have you to play Glastonbury actually that surprised me I, d- I don't play in the UK like I I'm, I don't very rarely get booked in the UK I'm playing with Maya this weekend actually um, yeah you're doing Mint Festival right yeah, yeah which would be fun um, sick so, so you released on Trick right yeah I've released yeah I've released on them last year um, and got a release coming out at the end of this month with them um, yeah, like Patrick's a, a big sweetheart. He's wicked, man. He's wicked, and is and is you know, bit by bit trying to to be more diverse and, and like his lineups and stuff like that, and gets that there's a there's a problem because I think he's in a position where he can actually he go can in do it. Yeah, affect change, especially in in the UK market. Like he's yeah. he's the one at this moment in time, and I think people really trust him as a brand and i don't mean like they he's very like what's the word he's very down to earth i guess um on everything like his socials are very down to earth people can relate to him um and i think he can he at this moment in time he's like one of the biggest artists in the uk um, oh he definitely is and to, to be fair if we, like if everyone was eagle eyed You'd see that he likes and supports so much he, she, they yeah. stuff. And bless him, has like, before we got to this like new wave of like 
Like, like he, like he, there's definitely on the rise. Like right at the start, he was like, "Oh, I'd love to come play for you." Like I really believe in, in the thing. Mm. Like, and and there's a couple of times where actually because of pandemic that there were things where he was gonna play that they got cancelled and stuff. So like. It's quite nice, like Mike Melody's another one who like Melody really gets diversity and it's yeah. like amazing. Dennis Salter, like some really good guys in like those positions of power. And eats as well, very yeah, much yeah, yeah. so. Guns yeah, of amazing. course. That are, you know, straight white guys that really wanna try and help platform people and do stuff. I mean, Eats and, and Melody and Dennis in particular have like played loads of queer parties yeah and, uh, and what what we were saying when we uh, when we had this chat with melody at a festival is just like it's so important what they're doing because without the support of straight white men then it's, it's not going to go really anywhere won't ever yeah. have long-term effectual change it Very takes good. them bringing their audiences in it takes them shouting about it in the same way as that the baby can make those horrific comments at that festival and you mm. then I mean, as, as as much as he's a dick, the most damaging thing is not necessarily what he thinks. It's what he's giving license to his audience yeah. to post and think. And when I read, read through the Instagram comments on like some of the posts on his page around that time, I was like horrified that that is, it just allowed so much hate to brew in those spaces. And that's the most dangerous thing about it, which, which is why when we've got these advocates speaking out in favor of supporting all of these like other parts of society, yeah. it that affects change in a positive way. Because no one who like idolizes Melody as a DJ, as another straight white bloke in like be it Doncaster, yeah. be it Leeds, be it whatever, <laughs> is gonna want to storm into Melody's comments when Melody's supporting, say a night right. like he should be like, oh what the fuck, mate, this is so shit. Like fuck all those people. Yeah. Like they're just not. Yeah. And they're going to think, even if maybe, like, someone wanted to, they're going to think about the fact that someone they look up to is supporting this. And it just makes people think. And that's, yeah. So so these allies are just so incredibly important in, like, well, long-term. I think, I think it's changed in, massively. I think it's, it's super important. It normalizes stuff as well. Totally. Like, like and, you know, for, for women to eventually get the vote, it did to men to allow that. Yeah. For, for like queer people like me to have marriage rights, it did take straight people to vote for them. Like mm. whoever is in that position of power or the major, like of, of the kind of the power holders, you do need them on side because, like you know, there were people campaigning for queer rights the whole time, mm. and same with trans rights. But you need those people that are cis or straight to to go into battle, otherwise it doesn't change because minorities can't change things alone. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really important. I, I, and you, Will, giving us this platform is, again, like, like, they're all things that people can do. You have a platform, and you're platforming a gay guy and a woman to talk about their experiences in dance music and how it can change. Like, it's important. And it probably wasn't your, your thought process of, like, kind of like white savior i'm gonna help the world you just did it because you instinctively wanted to help well i i think the thing that the way that i look at it and for me it's i i know where where this scene came from 
and I know for me I know the morals why I make music and why I DJ and why I want to be in clubs and kind of why I want people in front of me listening to the music and the 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 only reason why I do it is to give people a good time I don't do it for any other reason everything else after that is kind of just the benefits right um like actually it being a job is is amazing um but we would have all done we would all carry on doing this if there wasn't money at the end of it we all did it for years before we earned any well, money I, say, I slept on couches for about two years exactly happened, so. exactly I, I, I also that that's one thing we should say is like Sophia and i own this like independently there's yeah. like we, we most definitely are not trust fund kids and no. over lockdown my entire life savings went because we didn't get government help totally um, yeah, and I've moved back in with my family yeah. because it was either go and get a corporate job and give up he, she, they or start a record label exactly. and a podcast <laughs> and keep doing he, she, they and move, move back in with my with my dad for a bit. Yeah, um, and, and so, so it really does come from, like you were saying before, like a place of love and, and, and wanting to change. It, it, like we, we both could get in our jobs at major record totally. labels we could go and work for like promoters we could we turned down a whole bunch of stuff mm. because we really believe in it maybe maybe, maybe it's stupid <laughs> but we do really believe in it and if we keep grafting it like we will help genuinely change dance music or or, or be a catalyst to, in our little space to go help change things but yeah sometimes it's really frustrating because people like see the big parties and they're like, oh, you must be like completely loaded and no. like la la la. It's like we haven't worked for eighteen months and yeah. we manage DJs, but as well, but like they haven't worked like, as well. Twenty percent of nothing is nothing, and yeah. we had staff that we were still paying and yeah. all the rest of it. And like, yeah, we didn't get like furlough because we were company directors, so we yeah. were <laughs> part of the two million that just got totally fucked. Yeah, um, and not in a good way. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, like, you know, like, not just uh, a little violin thing, but like, that's the only thing that frustrates me is when it kind of gets called into question that, like, are oh, you doing this for the money? And it's like, if you saw our bank account and the different opportunities elsewhere that we could have made mm-hmm. money that we turned down, you'd realize why that was like such a cunty wrong comment. Yeah. totally it doesn't happen a lot but it's just when i do see it i'm like i think for me the thing is is that uh, i don't know about you guys but i i'm happy doing what i do and most of my like i literally this morning one of my best mates from school he's in business law in like a huge law firm in in london earns obscene amounts of money and literally we spent an hour of him going i fucking can't stand my old job like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. I just want to go and escape. And it's like, I, although we all have stresses in our work, we, I, I can't speak for you, but for me, I still can wake up every day and go, yeah, it's stressful. We have some hard times, but it's fucking so much fun. And if we can help people have a good time whilst we're having a good time, we're we're the ones winning in this whole society. It's it's not. You can't be the richest one in the graveyard. 
Oh yeah, like like this is. Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like we've obviously made a choice between doing something that you know. I I got, I got like a master's degree in business psychology, like I I had different jobs at various points when I was doing consultancy and stuff that like I could have done that and carried on and made made money and I also worked a whole bunch of shitty jobs as well yeah. but like like we're we're just like we're I mean some of them weren't even I was gonna say we're fine but some of them weren't, weren't even fine but like it also just motivates you and it's like like I don't, I don't need to be rich. I would like to not have to, like, worry about paying my rent mm. or that, like, how much this like food item costs or whatever. Yeah, like, totally. like that. Like, and and before I've had more money than I have now, mm. and like I've been less happy when I, when I say I was doing business psychology stuff. Like, it just. Like part of that thing is doing like culture change, yeah. which actually is a posh word of just saying that you sack people, really. <laughs> like, and it's just it's awful. Like I sacked a, because because I made the company really efficient. They ended up letting go loads of people before Christmas once, and I was just like, Nah, man, this it's isn't how yeah. I get paid. Yeah. And no disrespect, because obviously all those jobs need to exist in the world, but just like. I'd rather be happy and poor than like fucking miserable and rich. Totally. But I'd rather be, I think, just like the middle ground. <laughs> like, yeah, I, and and but it's also right. I guess like also by doing what you guys do, like you manage a shit ton of artists. You are helping people create their dreams with as artists, right? That's that's. I can imagine that being a very fulfilling feeling when when it goes right um yeah 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 and, exactly and, like, like I, th I think people don't realize how much work that is as well because our oh, artists insane. are like proper producer artists so like my will release in 40 countries yeah like the amount of work that goes into, mm -hmm. into that and historically we managed like tale of us and magda and like when um, kda was my flatmate yeah. We managed him and he went to number one in the UK charts on his first single when he was my flatmate. Mm. So that was intense. Yeah. Because it's like 2 a.m. and you're just like, <laughs> Sophia and I were deciding, do we go up against One Direction or like Adele? And we went up against One Direction because we had to change the release, the release date, the release of, date the, yeah. of the single. Like things like that. Like that's bizarre. Like Sophia, <laughs> the best mate all just in the house, like, figuring out, like... What the fuck to do? To number one in the charts. And the weirdest thing about that, if anything, was that, like, so, like, you're number one in the charts, and it's like, oh, nothing's changed. Yeah. Like, that's a really weird thing of, like... Like, a week later, you're not... And we... Well, I'm not going to say we, because I guess my expectancy was, like... Oh, this is gonna be change the world. So different and like yeah. da, 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 da. And it isn't really. Mm. Like and it's it's almost slightly anticlimactic. Totally. I I and I think that's what artists what that's uh I think that's what about creative lives are like, right? I mm. I don't know how you guys work as management, but like 
when I'm working with Ryan, like we're working towards different kind of increments, different goals. And mm-hmm. each goal kind of leads to something else and something else. But there's not one goal that changes your whole life, really. Um, nah. Unless no, it's, unless and it's I, I think the challenge there, and I was having a conversation with some friends about this, so some of the, the challenges to, because there's always so many goals, there's always this release date, there's this party, there's this, there's whatever. It's it's very difficult sometimes to enjoy the journey yeah. because of the pace of what we do and as you say, because there's all these different trajectories and things to work towards. And then when the thing that might have been the goal two months ago is like happening, like, yeah, it's happening and like you are enjoying it and everything's in progress, but then you, you know, you got 70 emails about the next six things that are happening. And it's, it's, it's a real challenge to, to stay present and kind of, um, yeah, try and enjoy the day-to-day. Uh, and, and the weirdest thing is, often, it's like, most people's most successful song is not their favourite song. Yeah. Like, it's normally the most artistically simple songs that work the best. And you can do something really clever, really smart, which is like, you know, like... Look at Maya. Well, well, well <laughs> yeah. Like, what they say is not her favourite song. Yeah. I, like I could have get, I could have guessed that I love the record, but I could have guessed that she that is not her favorite song she's written. Yeah, because as a producer, like the things that she is capable of are displayed way better elsewhere, and just the, the fact that she can make a a hip hop record mm. with Young M.A. and like Gangsta Boo, and she can then go and make a dance record with Kim and Foxman, or she can make an instrumental that has a classical fusion to it, or she could go make techno as Kai. I'm like. She's amazing. And she just um, produced a, a song for Sting on his like, really? album. Really? Wow. Yeah, she got sound by Nicki Minaj. Like, all of the things. And this is just like, she also works in like dubstep. She's done drum and bass. Mm. She's done jungle. And she's done all of the things. And like, she produced um, Shailu's album that's like kind of a bit more like acoustic and guitar led. And like, about a lot of the songs on that. So like, it's quite funny when she, when people are like, and what they say, and it's just like you can see, like, like yeah, I'm very much more than more than that. that. But well, I think, like, I think, well, I think, well, like we... Scott Walker is a really good example. Who passed away? Like Scott Walker is like the sun ain't gonna shine anymore with all like the Walker brothers. Yeah, but then like his albums on 4AD, where his percussive line is like people at an abattoir pounding meat, mm. and it's just like. <laughs> That's the stuff he wins the awards for, but then like the stuff that everyone sings at karaoke is like the stuff from the sixties, and it's uh, it's just I, I I think you can't you can't look for artistic satisfic- satisfaction by selling units or doing anything like that. If okay. if you're actually a creative person and like not just a pop star who who's a vehicle mm. for to get like sing someone else's song and or do X, Y, and Z. But if you're an actual artist, you can only ever make music that you like and then put it out to the world and hope that someone else likes it. Yeah. If you make music for other people, because we've seen so many examples of this, and again, not to name names, but like, where they go, oh, I wish I had a career like Maya, because mm. like, they feel that they, they made records to try and satisfy their market or to totally. try and get DJ bookings. They don't love those records, and now they're unable to, to go in the other directions they feel. And it's like, 
great, you've got the money, but you yeah. don't actually like the career, and mm. that's kind of what you're lumbered with. I just feel that's... Yeah, you could like, like like if you have the the goal of just having money or or just like loads of people like streaming your record or whatever or like or even artistic like interpret like validation from others' critical acclaim. Yeah, it just doesn't work. You just have to make music that you like and put it out there and open connectors. It's the only way that we've ever seen artists really happy. It's it's the only way. And and I can from from my experience in the past, I've gone through parts of my career where I feel like I have to write music to fit into the record labels that I'm I was known for, and it got to the point where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I can't play this music anymore. Like we evolve as art, we evolve as humans. Like yeah, of we, course our, you our, do. Our, our, cha- our tastes change, and we have to we have to allow ourselves to do that. And by putting ourselves in boxes and just doing what is commercially what people expect from us. Like it's so demoralizing. And I, I, I was lucky that I worked it out and changed, but there's, I know I've got so many friends and I'm sure you guys know a lot of people that, yeah, they're successful, but they hate it. And honestly, if I hated being a DJ and being a producer, it's quite possibly the worst job because the money can be amazing, but, the amount of hours you have to work for it to for it to do well is 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 better. It's easier to go get a corporate job. Well, this is it. You may as well get a corporate yeah. job and then make music for fun. For fun, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's because it, it, it is hard. Like yeah. the minute that music's a job, then th- there are elements of it where it's a job. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. And I, I think what you guys do as managers as well is you you get the brunt of it because you get all the stress, and then we do God's work. Yeah, well. you, you man, good good <laughs> managers, good managers do do God God's work. I I totally agree with that. I totally agree. <laughs> I love my manager, so it's all good. Um, guys, thank you so much. It's been yeah, really your nice. Second attempt to wrap up the interview. <laughs> it's all right. I'm not in any rush. I just know that you guys have got a phone call in 20 minutes. I could yeah, literally we, just keep going. Do. This is how the RA one lasts for like two hours. <laughs> I know. I know. Bless Marcus. He just he, he just should have been firmer to stop us. Shut us. Up. No, I like we, it. I could. I could. We, I, we once had a conversation with DJ Paul. I, I, I kid you not, for five hours. <laughs> Yeah, we all had to take toilet breaks. <laughs> <laughs> but she, hey, like, that woman. I, I don't know about, I don't know about you guys, but like, this conversation would never have happened if we had didn't have this podcast. Um, and yeah. I think it's important that that we we all we we not just us have this conversation, but people hear this conversation. Um, it's it's really important to me anyway. Um, so thank you very much. Um, keep in, thank you for having us. It's been a pleasure. Keep in touch. And thank you for anyone who lasted to this point in the podcast. <laughs> Troops, troopers, literally. If, if, if you're seeking out further podcasts, obviously listen to all the rest of Will's podcasts and then our, our exchange is a good another nearly three hours for you. Um, before we wrap up, how can people... Or watch your film? Because it's... Oh. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the extended version. <laughs> Before we wrap up, how how can um, people follow you and kind of get involved with the brand? 
Um, so uh, probably the best way to see like in real time, all the things, uh, to get involved with is our Instagram page. Um, and then from there you can find links out to sort of clothing, the record label, the events. We, we didn't even touch on this at all, but th- there's going to the be website? an app. Oh, the website, but I still think Each the Instagram's better. No, because the Instagram's also, it, it, it feeds to Oh, it. it's a Tumblr. Yeah, yeah it feeds it. the mailing list, and then we got Yes, yes. The things that, yeah. How, yeah. We didn't even touch on this at all in the interview, but we're yeah. actually launching um, a He, She, They app in the coming couple of months, which is going to be like a global... Um, sort of social networking slash dating app where all of the events and labor and everything will be that's incorporated dope. into it. So that's just a slight little side project we've been working on. That's a dope idea. I like that. Let me know when it's out and I will put that everywhere. That's it's a, that's a great idea. I like that a lot. I really like that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Will. No this worries. has been so fun. It's been amazing. Keep safe um, okay. and hopefully Keep catch you, you soon. Bye. Bye, guys. See you soon. Bye. Bye. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much for Sophia and Stephen to get involved. That was a really good podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, Thank you to listening. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe. Share it with your friends. Do all of the good stuff. Keep safe. See you next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.